All right, well, good morning. It's uh, great to be back among you. Uh, it's been alluded to, I'm returning now from about eight weeks of sabbatical. And this week I've come back and people keep walking up to me and saying, it's great to have you back. And Monday we had a new mask mandate and there's all these decisions. And I, I've been trying to see if I could honestly say it's great to be back. Uh, but, but, but I can honestly say it's great to see you again. So that's kind of what I've been answering with. It, it's great to have you back. And I say, it's great to see you again, because that's definitely true. Um, I had a wonderful time on sabbatical. It was great to get away. And I'm, I'm excited now to be back with you. And this is kind of the best of it. It's just to be worshiping together in this place. Even though we have to wear masks, it's great to have God before us. When I went on sabbatical, I left saying that I was going to do a bunch of R activities. I was going to do some reflection, some reading, um, some resting, and I also did a lot of running. Uh, I did a lot of running on my sabbatical, and I'm excited in some ways to, to share some of what I've learned over the past few weeks. I used to hate running. Uh, most of my life, I couldn't stand it. I would joke that I always... It always sounded nice to run and pray, but when I would run and pray, the only thing I would pray is make it stop. Um, so I just couldn't get into the habit of running. And then about five years ago, I, I tried again. I started running and something just clicked and I fell in love. And since then I've run about 4,000 miles. I run several times a week. And um, if you know any runners, you know that they love to talk about running. You know, which body parts are hurting, what their last pace was. Uh, and as a preacher, I've worked hard to not talk about running a lot. But then I get assigned a passage where the main metaphor is to compare the life of faith to a race that you run. So if you hate hearing about running, I'm sorry, but I feel like I have permission this morning to talk about running. And I'm excited because actually running has become a big part of my spiritual life. It's become a big part of how I relate to God. And I'm excited to share from this passage this morning. Uh, when I went on sabbatical, I knew I was going to be preaching on this passage. And so I decided to do something a little different. Instead of studying this passage in detail like I might normally do, I memorized it, all two verses of it. Now is when you can say, oh, right? And I just decided I was going to repeat it and reflect on it over and over again over the course of my sabbatical. So I did that. Most days I, I would recite it. Sometimes I'd spend a long time thinking about it. Sometimes I would do it in the middle of other activities. And I just kind of collected my thoughts on this passage. So we're going to be looking at Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 this morning. It's the conclusion of the big part of Hebrews 11 that, that lists all the people of faith. And this is what Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says. Since therefore... We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I was a little worried that I was going to mess up the memorization there in the middle of the sermon, but I, I think I got most of it right. What I did over the course of sabbatical was 
I wrote down each of the 10 phrases from this passage on an index card. And as I reflected on it, I would kind of grab an index card and just write down the thoughts for that phrase. And so this morning, the, the sermon's going to be a little more of a buffet than, than a pointed meal. I'm going to offer a bunch of thoughts on these passages. Uh, I've condensed it down from the 10 phrases into seven. So my normal three-point sermon will be a seven-point sermon. I, I figured you've missed a couple points over the summer having me gone, so I, I could add in a few more. But there was one phrase that really stood out to me. That index card was just full of thoughts. And that's the, the central phrase of this passage, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. And I started to ask myself, what does it mean to look to Jesus? How does that change my life? And particularly, what do I see when I look at Jesus? That's the question I want us to be reflecting on this morning. What do you see when you look to Jesus? What do you see on his face? What's that experience like? Well, our passage begins by calling to mind an image that would be familiar in the first century. It, it paints a picture of something that they would understand and is actually very timely for us as well because the Olympics have just ended and, and we've been seeing a lot of sports. And so the image of this passage is of a stadium with a race going on on the ground. The passage opens, Since therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The author is describing the stands of the stadium. And what he's saying is that all the people that we've looked at over the course of Hebrews chapter 11 are now in the stands as we are the ones running. They've run their race of faith, and now there they are cheering us on. The heroes of the faith are our fans. They're the ones screaming for us to succeed. Abel, Enoch, Joseph, Moses, all of these people, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rahab, the heroes of the Old Testament faith, they're watching us. And let's be clear, the race that we're running is the race of faith. See, there's a lot of things in our lives that might feel like a race. Maybe your career feels like a race. Maybe your family could be compared to that. Maybe your emotional health or, or some project you're working on. But the issue here, the, the race that we're talking about is that of believing in Jesus, holding him as your savior day by day. That's the race that these heroes of faith are cheering us on for. So the author continues to say, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so easily. Now, the author talks about two things, weight and sin. And uh, I resonate with both of those. Weight, the last year, 18 months, it has felt weighty. 
they feel like there have been burdens that I've carried, new burdens, and you just wake up feeling like, what's going to happen today? And that, 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 that slows us down. It weighs us down. The author says, lay those aside. And sin is those, sin I think refers to those activities that we do that distract us from the race before us, that, that we choose to, to ignore what life is really about. And we each have our favorite things that we tend to turn to, whether it's greed or, or lust or anger or jealousy or any of those things, perfectionism, all of those things are the sins which, which detour us from the direction we're supposed to be running. So the author says, lay aside the weight and cast off the sin so that you can go forward. When he gets to the main instruction, the author emphasizes one aspect of this race. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, that word endurance translates as the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. The capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. Endurance is about staying at it when it gets hard. Now, when I first started running, I, I kept waiting for the day when going for a run would be easy. I thought if I just get in good enough shape, I could run and it won't be hard. Well, maybe I'm not in enough shape yet, but, but I found that that's not the case. That every time I go running, it's hard work. But the thing that I've fallen in love with about running is that while it may be hard, it's not complicated. Running is simple. You just keep running. <laughs> there's nothing else to it. There, there's a single thing, one foot, the other foot, one foot, the other foot. That, that's all you have to worry about. And there's all these various things that may go on in your head while you're running. You know, does my knee hurt? Did I eat enough? Am I drinking enough water? blah, 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 but, but it all boils down to just one simple thing. Just keep your feet moving. That's all. It's simple. And a lot of times I'll, I'll come back from a run and I'll be face issues and complicated things and I'll think, oh man, I wish I could just go run because that's simple. And I think that we, we make the Christian life more complicated than it needs to be. See, life itself is complex. There's all sorts of decisions. There's all sorts of factors on us. There's all sorts of complications that we face. But the race of faith is simple. You just keep believing. You just keep believing in Jesus. No matter what happens, whether it's up, whether it's down, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether you're confused or, or scared or excited, you just keep believing in Jesus. I think that's what the author is trying to get at when he says, run the race with endurance. You just keep going. Life might be complicated, but faith is actually simple. Whatever happens in your life, if you grieve, grieve with Jesus. If you celebrate, celebrate with Jesus. 
If you're confused, ask Jesus for help. If you don't know what to do next, like Andrew shared, then pray. You just keep going. That's what endurance looks like. Now, I think one of the things that, that makes it more complicated for us is that there are so many voices in our lives that we tend to, we tend to take our gaze off of Jesus. And so I want to ask you now to reflect on who some of the voices are that you pay attention to in your life. And I'm going to ask you to share that with us. So, so this is a time you can pull out your phone. Um, if you're joining us from online, you can switch to a different tab or something. And I want to ask you to go to pbc.org poll. Go to pbc.org poll. And you'll see a simple question there. It should say, who do you look to? And what I want to ask you to reflect on for your sake, as well as for sharing it with the rest of our community, is who are those people that, that you tend to look to? Categories of people. You can put names if you want, but who are the kinds of people that you pay attention to? And over the course of sabbatical, as I've spent a lot of time reflecting, I've been just thinking back over the last 18 months over the, the kinds of people that I look to, looking to government leaders who, uh, you know, are issuing different requirements and restrictions and encouragements. I look to my fellow elders and fellow pastors as we're trying to make decisions, as we're praying for each other, supporting each other, trying to think through things together. I look to my, my spouse and my children. I look to some of you as you respond to the decisions we make as to what kind of ends up happening, how you feel about how things are going. There's lots of different voices that we pay attention to. Let's take a look now at, at who we tend to look to as a community. Friends, pastors, spouse, mom, peers, columnists, angry people on Twitter, that's always a really good one to look to, experts, siblings, you notice the way this works, if you're not familiar with it, it's called the word cloud. The, the larger words had more people saying them. So a lot of parents, friends, myself, pastors, spouse. These are the voices in our lives. And I love seeing this because it just, doesn't this kind of communicate the, the chaos of so many voices, the world that we live in, how many people we, we tend to look at, tend to pay attention to? And what I realized, particularly by getting some space from all these voices in the course of sabbatical, one of the gifts of it was, was not having a lot of these voices around. And what I realized is, with all these voices, you just can't win. You can't win when these are the primary things you're looking to. You know, some of you might be thrilled with the way things have happened over the last year and a half at PBC. Some of you aren't. Some of my fellow elders agree with decisions I make. Some of them don't. Some of my pastors feel the same way. My, my family, if you're looking at these earthly people, you're just going to be bounced up and down, riding the waves of different levels of approval or emotions. And so that's what makes the author's instruction here so critical. Because if we're going to run with endurance this race, 
He tells us where to look. That's the next phrase. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This is where we look. And this is the phrase that has just been bouncing around in my head for most of my sabbatical. Looking to Jesus. This really is the key to running a race of endurance. And so I feel really blessed because I, I was able to do a lot of that with, with the privilege of clearing out a lot of other voices. I spent a lot of time over the last eight weeks looking to Jesus. And I also spent a lot of time building a deck. So we decided early on in sabbatical we needed a physical project, or I should say I decided. And... Uh, said, let's rebuild our deck. So the whole family chipped in, and we spent a ton of time ripping up our old deck and rebuilding a new one. We, we just finished everything yesterday. So it's all done now. We can move forward. But as you probably know by now, if you've heard me preach, if I spend a lot of time doing something, then you're going to spend some time hearing about it uh, as a sermon illustration. So that's kind of how it works. And what I realized in building this deck is there are three parts of the deck that we built. First of all, we built pillars. Those pillars are sunk into the ground or they're attached to the house and they support the main weight of the deck. And then spanning those pillars, we built joists. They span long distances and those joists distribute the weight to the pillars. And then on top of the joists, we laid decking, boards, which then form the surface of what you walk on or, or sit on. And that's all you see when you look at a deck is the boards. You don't see the joists and the pillars. But I realized that my spiritual life works a lot the same way as a deck. That I need each of those three things if I'm going to successfully be looking to Jesus day to day. See, the pillars are those monumental experiences. Those are the, the big epic moments. Maybe your baptism, the, the time you came to faith, the kind of story that Andrew shared with us this morning. A powerful retreat, some unique thing that just grounds you with God in a powerful way. The joists are those everyday, regular rhythms, patterns in your life, waking up with coffee and scripture, praying with a spouse or a friend or a prayer partner, attending small group, reading the Bible, whatever those regular repetitive activities that, that span the weight of those monumental epic moments and, and carry the weight of faith. And then the boards is the everyday living of life. This is what other people see. This is what's on the surface, how you react to people, how you respond to crisis, how you treat people when you're stressed, what kinds of decisions you make, what you do with your money and your time. And that's where a lot of us get frustrated. We feel like the boards of our life, the, the surface of our spiritual life, we, we feel like, boy, it could be so much better. I, I wish this or I wish that. But we have to realize that the boards don't hold themselves up. They're held up by those regular activities of the joists. They're distributed among those powerful moments of the pillars. So I don't know if you find that metaphor helpful, but, but it became really helpful for me as a way of realizing that looking to Jesus doesn't just happen. 
It's not just an attitude that you say, okay, I'm going to look to Jesus and that's that. Looking to Jesus is something you build into your life intentionally. It shows up on your calendar. It shows up in the way that you think about situations. It shows up in how you spend your time and your money. And so as I'm returning from sabbatical, I'm, I'm thinking of those three categories. How can I build in these, these deep times to connect with God, these regular times to sustain that connection, and then that day-to-day -day awareness of the presence of God in my life? Now, this might be encouraging to some of you. You might think, this, this is great. This is going to help me pursue Jesus. But some of you might be discouraged. Some of you might say, that sounds like a whole lot of work. And I'm not sure I want to do that. Some of you are saying, is there a passage that, that compares faith to sitting on a couch? Because that one might resonate with me more than running a race. Well, I suspect that if you find it discouraging, it, it might be because of, of at least one thing. And that's that when we think about looking to Jesus, I'm not sure we know what we'll find. I think some of us might be afraid of what we'll see when we look to Jesus' face. So I want to ask you right now to imagine that you are that runner. Even if you hate running, you can replace it with something else you like doing. That, that you're running in this race and the heroes of the faith are, are cheering you on, and you're looking up in the stands to your benefactor, Jesus. I want to ask you to think, what's on his face? And again, I want to ask you to share that with all of us again. Go, go back to pbc.org slash poll. And I'm eager to know, what do you expect to see on the face of Jesus. And, you know, we're not looking for Sunday school answers here. I'm not, I'm not asking what you're supposed to expect to see. I'm asking you to do a little reflection and be honest. What do you actually expect? How does Jesus feel about your race of faith? What might you see on his face? What, what emotions might might be apparent to you because of that. What is there on the race of faith? Let's, let's see what, what some people might expect to see here. Forgiveness, smile, that's great, I love that. Love, kindness, bright flaming eyes, bright white hair. Guilty. Comfort, understanding, hopeful, you're doing okay, approval, happy, calmness, celebration. This is great. This is more positive than I expected, to be honest. And this is what drives us in our faith. Over the course of my sabbatical, I also wanted to do a lot of reading. But I got stuck reading, reading one book in particular called Gentle and Lowly. By a, guy, by a guy named Dane Ortland, And his premise is to explore what is in the heart of Christ. Disappointment there, sadness, longing. Ortland's 
premise in the book is that we expect less of Jesus than is actually true. Listen to one of the ways that he says it. Here's a quote from his book. He says, Our deepest instincts expect him to be thundering, gavel-swinging, judgment-relishing. We expect the bent of God's heart to be retribution to our waywardness. And then Exodus 34 taps us on the shoulder and stops us in our tracks. The bent of God's heart is mercy. His glory is his goodness. As I spent time reflecting on this question, I realized for myself that what I expect to see on the face of Jesus is often what I have seen on the faces of the people in my life. That if I've seen approval on the faces of others, I, I expect that from Jesus. If I've seen disappointment or anger or expectation or demand, then I expect to see that on the face of Jesus. And this idea that it's just a simple idea, we all know it to be true, but that at the core of Jesus' heart is approval and pleasure and acceptance. I found out I needed that. I needed to remember that. That even though I know it, it felt like a new idea to me. And I want us, I want you to be rooted in that knowledge. To know that when you're looking at Jesus, you don't see expectation. You don't see demand or disappointment. You see pure, unadulterated love and acceptance. 100% approval. See, that's the message of the gospel. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his work, when he looks to us, when we look to him, all we see is approval. We don't see, how could you have done better? Why did you skip your prayer time? You should really be doing this, or you should really be doing that. That's not there. It's love and mercy and compassion. And that's what, what drives us forward. That's what gives us the ability to run with endurance. And that's clear because of how the author continues. See, he says when Jesus ran, he says, Jesus is the, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, that's what motivated Jesus. And, and listen to Ortland again, reflecting on this very verse. For the joy, what joy? What was waiting for Jesus on the other side of the cross? The joy of seeing his people forgiven. The joy that Jesus had, the motivation for him to bear up or hold out under the face of difficulty is us, seeing us, seeing this, us experiencing fellowship, being in the presence of God, knowing that God loves us and approves us. This is what drove Jesus. This is his joy. 
And so as we run, we can be, we can be inspired by that. You know, I used, to, um, I used to judge people when I saw them running. I used to think that, that uh, because I hated running, I used to think that they must be running and they must hate it as much as I do. And I thought, there must be some really messed up motivation that drives them to endure such pain. Um, but now that I actually have developed a love for running, I, I think differently. I actually like this experience. It actually fills me with joy. And so the idea that we can run this race of faith with joy is powerful to me. I think we need more joy in our lives. Now, that's not to say it's easy, because for the joy set before him, the author continues to say, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured pain, the cross, personal pain. He despised the shame, social pain, awkwardness, whatever it is. People despising him, criticizing him, mocking him. Jesus endured those things. And now the passage continues to say, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As we look at him, we're, we're running that race. And I want you to imagine that again, that you're running the race and you look up to Jesus and he's sitting at the right hand of God. And you see on his face approval and joy and pleasure. And you know that he is in a place of victory. He has run his race so that we can run ours. His victory becomes our victory. And this is the distinctive thing about the Christian story. We have eternal hope. You know, a lot of what I've said here this morning could be said in a secular setting, right? You got to keep going. You got to think positive. You got to look at people who approve of you. You got to kind of have the right mindset. But the thing that makes believing in Jesus different than anything else is that it has hope beyond this life, that we know there is victory. And so we, as we run with endurance, as we look to Jesus, we run with hope. Because maybe you're crawling the race of faith. Maybe your pillars are rotted and you barely have any foundation. Maybe your joists are broken and every time you step on a decking board, you fall through and maybe everybody can see that your spiritual life is a mess. Maybe you constantly feel like you should be doing better. But when you look to Jesus, sitting to the right hand of the throne of God, there are two things you need to know are true. You see approval on his face, no matter how you're running that race. He's proud of you. And your race ends in victory. Your race ends in victory. No matter how you run it, you're going to win because Jesus won for you. And so as we wrap up Hebrews 12, I want to go back to the first verse of this whole section. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith 
is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of the future, the assurance of what God is going to do in the world. When Scott taught that passage early on, he said that what we hope for is the heavenly and eternal country that is filled with the presence of God. Faith is trusting in that hope. And it's not easy. There's nothing easy about believing in Jesus. We might have to endure our own cross and despise our own shame. But faith is surprisingly simple. You just keep going. You just keep believing. And you look at Jesus' face as a way to motivate you and inspire you and drive you forward. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we know and can know that you love us, that you are merciful toward us, that you have compassion, that you approve of us. God, help us to have that image just held before us of, of looking to you up in the stands looking at our race, cheering us on, approving of our efforts, loving us. And God, I pray that that knowledge of your love, that that awareness would comfort us, encourage us, and fuel our faith as we hope for the future, as we hope for your work in this life and ultimately in the life to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.